Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. All right, thank you so much, Radiant Church. How about we keep it going for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Come on. If you've been rescued, if you've been set free, he deserves all your praise. Amen. You go ahead and have a seat. Thank you so much for that hospitality and that warm welcome. Uh, before we kick off, and, and I know every guest speaker does this, but there's a reason why they do it. I just feel like you need to hear that you have one of the greatest pastors in the United States, and Pastor Aaron Burke. He is a phenomenal leader, a phenomenal friend. Uh, he is a stalwart. I don't even know what that means, but I think he's that. Uh, in, in, in the church world, and he, he's been such an inspiration. You also need to know something about just me and my church, uh, Journey Church. We launched a little over two years ago, and even last year, we've seen over 300 people make decisions for Christ at our church, and here's why I want, hold on, hold on, hold on, here's what I want you to celebrate, because our church would not be existing today if it was not for the generosity of Radiant Church. You guys helped launch us, helped plant us. We've learned from you, we've developed from you, we've grown from you. I just want to say thank you, and uh, celebrating with you every victory in heaven uh, for that, and so when Pastor Aaron asked me to speak, I had two reasons to say yes right away. And the first off was any opportunity to give back to this amazing church, I'm gonna go ahead and take. And the second reason is because Pastor Aaron sits uh, on the board of overseers at our church, <laughs> which means that he, he sets my salary. <laughs> so I really had no choice, but no, I'm just kidding. About my motivation, I'm serious about my salary. Um, uh, I, I really, I'm just glad. I'm just glad to, to be here. And so he's great, and we love him. And uh, thank you so much. He's watching online right now. So just let your pastor know how much you love him. And so, and also welcome in our St. Pete location, our downtown location, our online audience, and uh, whoever else is watching all over the world. Uh, we're so grateful. Well, I hope uh, you are uh, looking forward to a message today. I got a, a message I want to share with you. Oh, you know who else is watching? My wife. And so I should probably let you know about my family. Yeah. Well, well not, don't, don't woo too loud now. <laughs> Simmer down. Um, that's my wife, Liz, and we've been married, celebrated 10 years uh, this past October, celebrated 10 years. And uh, that's my uh, oldest, Justice, with the long hair. He is great. That's Zane right next to him. Zane came out a lot darker than the rest of us, but that's okay. I trust Liz. Um, and uh, he's five, and they're both into things that I am not into, which is really interesting to me, like, I, again, I trust Liz, but they both came out totally different. Justice is into uh, golf, which I'm horrible at, and, uh, which if you've never golfed, don't laugh at golfers. It is one of the hardest things. Any golfers in the house today? Okay. Everybody's like, yes, and I should be there right now, but I'm at church. Better bless me. Um, and then my son Zane's in a hip-hop dance, which, yeah. Like, I'm not either of those things, if you can't tell, so... But I thank God for children. They are a blessing of the Lord. So, hey, what I want to talk to you about today, I don't know if you'd be interested in it at all. I don't know if you struggle with this like I struggle with this, but I'd like to talk to you for just a couple of minutes on the topic of uh, controlling your thoughts. Anybody here interested in, in, a, in a talk like that? Maybe, maybe your thoughts aren't like my thoughts. Maybe your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I mean, I know I'm at Radiant Church right now. All you think about is planting churches and feeding children in India and starting schools and... Just changing the world, but, but, but you know, I, I think of some things sometimes. And, uh, and so here's what I want you to do. I'm going to kick us off with a little, a little tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I'm sure you've had a great week. 
and did a lot of cool stuff. But I'm going to need you to hold that thought. Hold that thought is the title of my message today. Hold that thought. And it's birthed out of Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. I was preaching on habits at the beginning of the year to my, my church. And I was telling them, I told them in the opener of the series that, you know, a lot of people want a different life, but they don't want to do different things, which is a problem because we are what we repeatedly do. Then I came in with the sequel, though, because after I said that, I went back home and I read this verse and I was like, uh oh, I'm going to need to follow up that message. Because according to Proverbs, we are not just what we repeatedly do, but according to Proverbs, we are who we repeatedly think we are. Our thoughts really do dictate a lot about our lives because in all actuality are not our actions first birthed as thoughts, which is why I am burdened to share this message with you today because a bunch of people walked into church today and there's probably something about your life that you would like to change. Maybe there's a behavior. Maybe there's a pattern you keep uh, you know, falling into. Uh, and I just want you to know that if you want to change your behavior, if you really want to see freedom from whatever it is, you fill in the blank. What if the way to change it is not to focus on the behavior at all, but on the thought that birthed the behavior? What if you don't need a new way of living? What if you needed a new way of thinking? And the new way of thinking gave you a new way of living. I think it's birthed that way. I think it happens in that order. And uh, just to share that with you, just a quick, a quick story of kind of how it happened for me, for me, how this all makes sense is when I was younger, I had a grandma who, um, and you probably had one too, but my grandma's, you know, she's a little Puerto Rican grandma who, who, yeah, there's different grandmas. That's a different type of grandma. That's not grandma. That's, that's abuela. And so, and, uh, and, and my grandma, man, she, she was, God bless her heart. She was, she, God bless her heart. She was amazing. She cooked amazing. She loved us amazingly. She disciplined us amazingly. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure <coughs> she should have been locked up a couple of times, but she did a great job just raising us, especially in the way of the Lord. And as much as I love my grandma, you know, where she really failed us was in her theology, uh, and which is not a problem, really, unless, you know, your theology traumatizes somebody. And, and in this case, it completely traumatized me because I used to have a habit, see, of getting up in the middle of the night for snacks and stuff. And uh, that was a problem because I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. And so you get up in the middle of the night, you might not come back. You might not, you might not get back. And so, so she used to tell me this she, to keep me in bed. She said, don't, don't get up at night, JJ. I said, how come, Grandma? She said to me, because the Bible says. No, no, hear where she went with this. She said, because the Bible says that little boys who get up out of bed at night, this is what she says. She said, the Bible says that there is a man who lives under your bed. And if you get out of bed at night, he will snatch you by the ankles and drag you to hell. I wish I was making this story up. I haven't said this the truest thing I've said. It's true. I promise you it's true. And so that just jacked me up, okay? I was like, Grandma, where does it say that in the Bible? She was like, oh, it says it. And it wasn't until I was like 25 that I found out that my grandma was illiterate. She couldn't even read the Bible. She was making stuff up, man. And so one night, I was in bed, 
and um, I really had to use the restroom, like really bad. And I'm thinking about my options. And I'm like, well, I, I can't go here because she was amazing at discipline. And so I, I was like, I, I got to go. And then, you know, logically, because I'm a logical person. I know I was seven. I believed in monsters, but I was still logical. And so I thought to myself, you know, I wonder how long this man's arms are. The next thought that hit me. And so I was in one of those twin beds, you know, the ones that are like seven inches wide. And I just, and I just started to try to build whatever semblance of momentum I could muster. And then as soon as I got on the edge, I just, ah! in your face, man, under the bed, I made it. I thought I made it until I realized I had to get back in the bed, you know, and so. And I was just so excited that, you know, I made like an Olympic long jump. Here's the crazy part. I'm 32 right now. When I have to use the restroom in the middle of the night at 30, 32, I still take the biggest step ever. I know it's not real. Don't judge me. Okay, I know. But it's like ingrained in me. Now it's crazy because if you were to ask me what locked me down into my bed when I was seven, I would have told you a monster. But you ask me that same question now that I've got a semblance of maturity and I will tell you I thought it was a monster, but it was really a thought. Now here's what I got to ask you. Here's the question I want to pose to you, okay? Do you have a monster living under your bed? Because if I were to ask you what was holding you back and what was keeping you down, you might point to him. You might point to the monstrous person in your life who did you some harm when you were a child. You might point to a monstrous financial situation. You might point to a monstrous marriage situation. You might point to a monstrous addiction, or you might point to a monstrous a diagnosis that you got from the doctors. But let me tell you, it's not a monster that holds you down. It's the way you think about that monster. It's a thought that holds us back. It's never the things in life that hold us down. It's the way we think about the things that hold us down. When I was younger, I was a five-tool baseball star in Little League. Killed it. Made the all-star teams. I got articles about me that I kept, my mom kept. I got trophies. And when I got older, I tried out for my varsity high school team as a freshman, but I was like, I'm so good, I'm gonna make the team. I did not make varsity. I did not make junior varsity. I did not make the practice squad. The coach, pulled, the coach pulled me to the side and was just like, JJ, you need to find something else to do with your life. This is not, you are not good at baseball. I'm like, that was so good in Little League. He's like, no, no, you suck. And so here's what happened now. Because I thought I was bad, I stopped practicing. I stopped caring. I stopped watching baseball. Here's what happened. I became who I thought I was. Now you might say, well, that's a stretch. You know, it really doesn't happen like that in life. There's no one else. That, did you know that Michael Jordan also didn't make his varsity team in high school? But he didn't think about his setback the same way I thought about my setback. I looked at my setback and thought, I'm horrible. 
He thought about his setback and he said, you're a horrible coach. You're a horrible evaluator. I don't know about you, but I'm great. I've got talent. I've got skill. Is there anybody who could preach to their setback this year and say, I don't know what you're talking about, but I will not be defined by my predicament. I will not be defined by what the world throws at me. I know who I am. It's never the setback that holds you back. It's always the way you think about the setback because we are who we think we are. You see how that works? Those thoughts lead to actions, which is a problem, guys. I know somebody's thinking, well, that's a big, I got a problem, Pastor JJ, because if I am who I think I am, uh, we all in trouble because <laughs> I got some thoughts, some crazy thoughts. Anybody ever have crazy thoughts, like thoughts you would be embarrassed to tell someone, like right now as I'm preaching? There is a crazy, like you're casting the devil out of your mind right now because you got some. I don't know if it's just me, but I'll tell you what happened to me. We were in 21 days of prayer recently in January. Like I know you guys do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I was in, because in, is it just me or is it not just like, it's not just crazy thoughts, but don't the craziest thoughts come when you're praying? Wave your hand at me if that's you. Come on. Yeah, right? All the people who are honest. Um, Crazy thoughts come when you're praying. I was praying the other day, and I was like, Father God, I love you, Lord. Because, you know, the crazy thought, it always gets a little weird before it goes crazy, you know? So I was like, Father God, I just love you, Lord. You're amazing. Here's what I said. I said, you're the master of the universe. That's cool. That's cool. It's the tagline from the He-Man cartoon, but it's still cool. <laughs> master says universe. I said, Lord, you're the master of the universe. And then I said, you're the, you're the Lord of earth, Lord. Every head in earth. You're the Lord of earth. And then I don't know what came over me. I just, I didn't want to stop praying, but I also ran out of words. And then I was like, and you are the master of Mars, God. You're the master of Mars. Guys, I just made my way down the solar system. I just, and Venus and Jupiter belongs to you in Jesus' name. And I was like, what, what, what I was doing? And then I got to Saturn, and I was like, in Saturn, God, you're the king of Saturn. <laughs> if there's anybody living on Saturn, you rule them. And I just started honing in on Saturn for some reason. <laughs> I was like, Saturn, Saturn, yes, Lord, Saturn. I used to drive a Saturn. It's a good car. Dent-proof dent panels. I like, whatever happened to Saturn? Bankrupt. 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 How much money is in my checking account right now? Come on, you ever been there? You start, you start praying, and then eight minutes later, you're thinking about that last Friends episode you saw, and you're like, and then you catch yourself, and you're like, the Lord is in this place, not for a minute. If you can speak in tongues, you speak in tongues right there, just try to bring it back. And what happened? And can I be real? That's the PG version. Come on, somebody. Don't leave me preaching by myself. That's the If I were to tell you where my mind really went, you would call all your friends and tell them not to come back for the next service, okay? Because you're like, that preacher needs G. Well, so do you, all right? I just happened. I'm a sinner with a microphone. You're the sinner with a notebook. That's okay. If I were to tell you, my, and here's the part that freaks me out the most. I don't even know that I can help thinking about what I'm thinking about. I mean, that's what scares me. That I didn't, I didn't ask for it. I didn't lead my life in a way that should have led me to it. 
And I can't stop thinking about, I mean, for, for a lot of people, listen, it's, it's like unwelcome cockroaches in your kitchen. You never invited them. You have no idea where they came from, and they're hard to get rid of. And if that metaphor sounds oddly specific, because I've recently been struggling with some cockroaches in my kitchen. Now, don't judge me. I'm not a dirty person. I feel like I need to say this because you don't know me. I'm a clean individual, okay? My house is clean. My wife and my family, we're all on point. We do our job, okay? We throw out the trash. We wash the dishes. We vacuum. Our children take baths. We are very clean. People have no idea how they got there. And I got the exterminator to come in, and I was like, you need to take care of this right here, sir. I seen the Orkin commercial. I want you, you know, do everything you do. So this guy came, paid him money, and he drops little traps all over the house. Just little traps. I'm just like, no, 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 no. I didn't pay for traps. If I wanted traps, I could have gone to Home Depot and bought traps. I need you to do what I've seen in the commercial where you're underneath the house and you got the, you see the trail and then you start like, you know, setting up decoys and like fake anteaters. I don't know what you do. Just like, I was like, I know I seen one time in the TV, uh, you put like a big circus tent outside the house. You ever seen that? And you just blow that thing up with poisonous gas. The place becomes unlivable for three years. That's what I want. I'll stay in a hotel. I'm good. I don't want these things in my house no more. He goes, no, no, that's not how you kill them. He goes, you can't kill them that way. They don't die that way. I'm like, well, what do you do? He said, you got to capture them. And here's what he said. That, that I was like, I'm going to preach that, Orkin man. It's good. He said, he said, you can't keep them from entering, but you can keep them from festering. I can't stop the thoughts from getting in but I can keep them from multiplying. What if that was my job? What if my job as a believer, as a son of God, was not to have the holiest mind in the world, but to have the, the, the mind that was most aware of what I was thinking so that I could catch it when I had to catch it and keep it from, from growing and multiplying. Maybe, maybe that's our job. And so I started to preach that. And I, and I remember as a youth pastor, I used to preach that. We had a, a series on purity. And, and so I got the, the, the guys and I was telling them, you got to capture the thoughts, guys. You got to capture the thoughts. You know, if you see a pretty girl, you got to catch that thought, you know? And one guy came, came after me and he was like, he was like, Pastor JJ, that's really good, man. That's really good. I just got one question, man. I was like, what's up? What's up, man? He's like, have you ever seen a pretty girl? I was like, I married one, sucker. You know what I'm saying? Keep in mind, my wife is watching this. I love you, babe. I'm talking about you. I like, I'm married. What are you talking about? He goes, well, every time I see a pretty girl, I just can't help it when my mind goes off. And I'm like, well, bro, I mean, you know, there's a difference. It's one thing to see someone from the opposite sex and think that person attractive. If that happens to you, just give God glory. He made it. Just be like, great job, God. Five stars. Good job. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't be rating people. Uh, <laughs> we're all beautiful in God's sight. Amen? Amen. Amen. God's sight. Anyway, it's like I was saying. Um, just catch it. Anyway. Can we have fun in church? Is that all right? Yeah. I said, man, it's one thing to think that, that somebody's attractive. It's another thing, though, to imagine you and her on the seashores of Cozumel drinking alcohol out of coconuts in your underwear. Like, it's a different thing. You got to keep it from getting to that point. My pastor used to say it like this. I can't keep a, a bird from flying overhead. Can't help that. But I can help it from landing on my head. 
building a nest and laying eggs. I'm, I'm in control of that much. And that's not JJ preaching. That, that's the Bible right there. Here's what the Bible says in Corinthians 10 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take, say this word with me, captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take it, say it again, captive. We take every thought captive. We catch it. <clears throat> and God is here to take it captive and to help you take it captive. But in order to do that, he's got to get past your defenses. It says we demolish arguments and pretension, and then we take captive. Arguments in the Greek means arguments. And pretension in the Greek means pride. Because it's interesting, whenever God wants to change your mind, the two enemies that will put themselves up against God will be your argument and your pride. Have you ever noticed that you can challenge anybody on anything except the way that they think? Have you noticed how defensive someone gets when you challenge their paradigms? When they and here's why. Can I tell you why? Because when you give your life to Jesus, and I know that there are, I love, what I love about Radiant, that there are people here who have made decisions to follow Christ, or people here who are still working that out. Let me make clear for you what salvation is. When you give your life to Jesus, he takes residence up in your heart. Somebody say amen. amen. It's a beautiful thing when Jesus lives inside your heart. But here's what the preacher didn't tell me when I made that decision, is that although my heart has a vacancy sign filled, it's no vacancy, Jesus lives in it, my mind is still a battlefield. And so, what, so you can be saved and not set free. Because you can have Jesus living in your heart, but you can have the enemy taking up a residence in the corner of your mind. In, in church language, we call that a stronghold, a bondage. It's, it's a way of thinking that the enemy's locked you into. It goes by different names. It could be called racism. It could be called political ideology. It could be called generational poverty. Most of the lifestyle issues you have are the product of these strongholds. Because yep. remember, every activity is birthed out of a thought. And there's a way of thinking that is literally garrisoned in your mind. The enemy is taking up residence. And God says, I want to change you, but I've got to get past. And it's crazy because when God tries to change you, the first thing you'll do is either argue with him or you'll get prideful. He said, well, I would never argue with God, and I'd never get prideful with God. Really? Because you argue and you get prideful with your wife when she tries to help you, and it could be the Holy Spirit speaking to you through your wife. You know that, right? Yeah. I didn't expect a lot of amens, but wives, let me just say, that was your moment right there. <laughs> that, you don't even got to tap your husband. Just look at him. He knows. <laughs> I want to speak to all the teenagers. I see a lot of uh, uh, radiant students in, in the house today. And uh, let me just tell you, I know you might think you'd never argue with God, but, but you know, God might be speaking to you through your mom or dad. Every bad relationship I've ever had was called out by mom two months before I ever started that person, dating that person. I told her, I said, mom, they're the one. Turned out they were one of 10. Okay. Is what happened. <laughs> and so we gotta, we gotta, and here's how we break through by the way, through the word of God, yeah. because it's an authority that breaks arguments and pride. It's right here in the scripture. This is how we fight that battle. You know that, right? I, I learned this with my dad. I used to argue with my dad all the time, and, uh, and he had great counter arguments. I thought my points were great. He had better points. He really just had one point. My points were always, you know, built on facts, you know, and I was a great arguer, great debater. Occasionally, I would even pull in Bible verses, which let me just help you right now. Never use the Bible on a loved one to try and convince them of something or change them of something. My aunt used to say it this way. They're called verses, not bullets. Don't try and hurt people with the word of God. If you read something and it convicts you, let me help you. It's for you. Just say, it's for me. 
If you leave right now and hear nothing else, that will change your life right there. You stop using the Bible to change other people in your life and you just let it change you like it's supposed to, you'll be set free right there. Free from the expectation of having to be Jesus in other people's lives and they never asked you to. Let it shape you. Let it change you. And so I would give him Bible verses and everything and he would have one point. I hated his point. His one point was, he said, JJ, that's good. That's awesome. Good. Oh, it says that in Malachi. Wow. And then he'd be like, here's my point. Because I said so. I wish I could have drop kicked him, but he was bigger than me. I couldn't. Just... Because I said so, that's all he said. And what he was saying was, your arguments don't matter when I've got authority. And I'm just telling you, you better learn how to fight this way because we got an arguer in our midst who will throw everything in his arsenal at getting you to fail, to falter, and you can't win him on an argument basis, but you can win him on an authority basis. When the devil tries to tell, tell things about you that are true, like I have a problem when the devil tells me I'm a failure because you know what? He's right. I have made some bad mistakes, but I don't lean on my past. I lean on what he says about me, his authority. And so I go, well, I am that way. I, got, I guess I would, but, but this is what God says. And when we take captives, I thought it becomes a prisoner of war. It literally becomes a terrorist that we've captured. Now, lucky for you, I know a little bit about terrorism because I watched this show called 24. And there was this guy named Jack Bauer. And he was a counter-terrorist dude. It's the early 2000s. If you, it's, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. <clears throat> and so he, um, every time he got a terrorist, he pulled him in. And when he pulled the terrorist in, he would always ask them two questions, which is really the step one right here. If you're taking notes, I'm going to hit these last two points in eight minutes. you got to learn to interrogate your imagination. In other words, you got to stop to think about what you're thinking about. And you need to ask those thoughts a couple of questions. And here's the, here's the two questions that Jack Bauer would always ask the thought. He would always ask the terrorist. The first question was, where did you come from? You need to ask your thoughts of negativity, depression. You need to ask your thoughts of infidelity. You need to ask your thoughts of low self-worth and insecurity. You need to ask it, where did you come from? I almost called this message, what in hell were you thinking? Because for a lot of us, that's exactly where that thought came from, the pit of hell. And God told me to tell you, you need to set up TSA in your mind. Come on, you know TSA. Ask you a thousand questions before you get on board. And you just need to take your Bible, which is your authority, and when the thought tries to onboard your life, when the thought tries to onboard your marriage, when the thought tries to onboard your relationships, you just be like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Who is it? Hi, uh, I'm the thought. You're a loser. I'd like to onboard, please. You just be like, okay, hold on one second. I just got to check the list. Right? So just stay right there. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, sorry, um, I, got, I got no reservations under that name, but I, I do see here a more than a conqueror. I do see here child of the most high God. I got one royal priest. Uh, I got a mighty warrior. Um, I, I, I've got vessel of the living God. I mean, I got some things, but I got nothing by that name. Sorry, access denied. I tested it, I proved it, didn't pass the test. Do you go by another name? Yeah, I got another name. It's called Addicted. Let me check real quick. Hold on one second. Addicted, 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 addicted. You know what? That was the craziest thing. I actually see a name that used to be under that recipe. But, but what happened was last year at an Easter service in Radiant Church, this guy called and he canceled it. And he said, whom the sun sets free... It's free indeed, and now the devil has no part of me. 
used to be, but not anymore. I'm a different person. I don't care if I'm living it. He said so. He said so. You need to punch the devil in the face with the authority of God. He said it. Where did you come from thought? And here's the second question that Jack Bauer would always ask. Not just where did you come from, but where are you going? Because if you don't know where that thought is going, that thought might take you somewhere you don't want to be. It's one thing to hold a thought, y'all. It's another thing when a thought holds you. It's one thing to lead your thoughts, but it's another thing when your thoughts lead you. Pastor Ryan, would you help me really quick with this illustration? Um, Pastor Ryan, would you mind pretending to be a dog for a moment? Yeah, I got it. Cool, cool. At the last service, he got on all fours. I'm like, bro, you're committed. You love your church. Let's get over here. So, so anyway, I have a problem with my dog. Her name is Honey, and pretty sure she's possessed by the devil. And so uh, I got my friend of mine who's a dog trainer to help me out. He said, well, in order for me to help you, you got to take her for a walk so I can see the problem. So can you go take, take me for a walk? This is exactly what it looked like. Honey, 100 pounds. This is what I look like. I'm like, honey, honey, in the name of Jesus, honey. You know? and, so, and so I talked to Patrick. I talked to Patrick. That's his name. And, I, and he's, he's a dog trainer. And I said, so how do, how, how do you like the way I walk my dog? He said, walk your dog? You weren't walking your dog. Your dog was walking you. I said, well, how do you do it then? You show me how you walk a dog. And so he said, well, first off, you, 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 gave, him too much, you gave him too much slack. He said, when you train a dog, you got to get up close right here, and then you got to lead. And if the dog tries to get in front of you, he goes, you take your heel, and you go, and you go, heel. And that's the universal term for get behind me. Heel. And he did it, and the dog listened. I thought, wow, what power. Because if you remember your Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says that there's a serpent. It was a symbol of Satan, and that he was going to strike. He was going to strike the Son of Man. But the Bible says that the Son of Man, when he strikes, would crush his head with his Some of y'all got to put heel on the devil. Just heel on Satan. Just heel on the thoughts of depression. Get behind me. You don't belong here. I got authority in Jesus' name. Heel. I'm in charge. Jesus did the same thing when he had a friend named Peter who was trying to get Jesus to stop going to the cross. Do you remember that? If you don't, because you knew your church, I'll explain it. Jesus was going to go to the cross and die for the sins of humanity. But one of his best friends, Peter, said, Jesus, you shouldn't go because if you go, we're going to miss you. And if you go, we, you know, and what was Peter trying to do? Peter was planting thoughts in Jesus's mind to lead Jesus away from where Jesus was trying to go. And you know what Jesus told Peter? He said, Get behind me, Satan. Ooh, you got to learn how to tell the devil to get behind you. Here's what I've learned. You cannot let your feelings or your thoughts lead your decisions. You got to decide where you want to be in 20 years and then let your destiny become the filter of your decisions. So you don't say, hey, because I think she's pretty, I'm going to make a decision that's going to ravage my life. You go, no, I'm deciding that I'm going to be married for 20 or 30 years. So thoughts get behind me. Feelings get behind me. Lust get behind me. Fornication get behind me. Uh, infidelity get behind me. You need to leave. You need to be in charge. Thank you. Give it up, Pastor Ryan. That's you. That's what you got to do. And here's the last part. Very important. You can't stop your thinking. That's what my youth pastor told me. He said, just stop your thinking. I said, well, okay. Show me the button, bro. <laughs> you can't stop your thinking, but you can shift your thinking. Here's what it says in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, say it with me. Think about such things. He's saying you got to shift it. You know, on your computer, when you open up 80 windows at the same time, 
and everything gets slow? Do you know why? Because your computer can only think about one thing at one time. You think your computer is multitasking when you're jumping from YouTube to Word, you know, back and forth. It's not. It's going slow because it can only focus on one thing at one time. Did you know that your brain is constituted the same way? The way God made us? It seems like multitasking is a myth. Scientists have proved it. You're not really doing two things at one time. You're alternating between different things in microseconds. You can only think about one thing at one time. And here's the problem. We are so outnumbered by negativity. I want you to imagine that your mind is a carousel and you are surrounded by negative thoughts, depressing thoughts, thoughts of self-harm, thoughts of giving up on your family, thoughts of walking away from God. All, all these thoughts because life is hard. We can't stop those thoughts from coming. Those thoughts will come. This is what I came to tell you. But in those thoughts, there's another thought. Maybe it's the thought of your wife on her wedding day. Or the thought of the first time you ever held your son or daughter. Or maybe if you never had any of that, it's the thought of Jesus Christ on the cross. And how he loved you. And how he gave his life for you. Even when you were broken. Even when you weren't whole. How he gave. And here's what you do. When that thought makes its way around the carousel of your mind. Here's what you do. This is what I came to tell you to do today. It's going to set you free. Here's what you do. It's three words. And it also happens to be the title of my message. But I'm going to need your help. When that thought comes across your mind. You need to learn to. You need to learn to. Come on. Say it with authority. You got to learn to and you hold on to God's goodness and you hold on to God's mercy and when life tries to push you in another direction you say no 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 he's good to me when the devil tries to remind you of that mortgage payment you say my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory when the devil tries to say you're in bondage you say no no who the sun sets free is free indeed I'm gonna hold on to his grace I'm gonna hold on to his mercy I'm gonna hold on to his power I'm gonna hold on to his love I'm gonna hold on to his presence I'm gonna hold on to his passion I'm gonna hold on to his purpose I'm going to hold on to my destiny. I'm going to hold on to Jesus. On to Jesus. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on. You can press all you want, devil. But I got an image of Christ on the cross. I know how much he loves me. 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 I don't care what you say. I see him. And I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to think about Jesus in my trial. I'm going to think about Jesus in my depression. I'm going to think about Jesus in my weakness. I'm going to think about Jesus in my brokenness. I'm going to hold. I'm going to hold on to that thought. And if you can't do that today, that means one of two things. Either you've forgotten how good God is, or you've never been introduced to him. And if you fall into either one of those categories, I want to give you an opportunity to make a prayer today. A prayer that can shift your life by shifting your thinking. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you want to make a decision, hear me. What is salvation? You want to hear, I've never heard salvation preached this way, but I think it's the truth. To focus on Christ above all else. That's you and you want to make that decision today. When I count to three, I want you to raise your right hand as a symbol and a signal. I felt your word today, God, and I need, to, and I need freedom all over this room. If that's you, one two right now come on three right now don't be ashamed don't be afraid this is your time this is your moment come on i see that hand i see that hand i see that hand go ahead and put it down radiant church pray this prayer with me father god i give you my past i give you my thoughts i give you my future today i focus on you above all else in jesus name we pray amen and amen come on i saw about 13 hands yeah you ought to celebrate that
Give God some praise for those making a decision to follow Christ today. Hey, Radiant Church, can you do me a favor? Can you give it for Pastor JJ Vasquez? Come on, stand to your feet and give him a, that was an incredible message today. Pastor JJ, we honor you. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. And man, what an incredible message today. All three services, lives are being changed throughout it. And in this service, like you said, we have about 12 or 13 people raise their hands. Can we give it for those people one more time that made a decision right here in the service? If you're one of those people that just raised your hand, we are so happy for you. We're excited for this journey in your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you. And so on that connection card we talked about earlier, on the back side, there's a, t a section at the top that says, My Decision Today. If you check on there that you accepted Christ, or maybe you're here today and you rededicated your life to the Lord, check that on there. You can drop that in the bucket in just a minute. We would love to send you some resources and help you in any way that we can on this journey. But we're so happy and excited for you. And we're going to continue worshiping in our service now through our giving. And, and I want you to know that because you give, we are changing lives together. I know you maybe hear that a lot and you wonder, what does that actually look like? I want to tell you about a guy named Chris. And they actually just wrote an article in AG News. They wrote an article about this guy, Chris, who came to Radiant and his life was changed. He was in his late 20s, had never been to church. The only time he had ever stepped foot in a church building was for a wedding and for a funeral. And because of Radiant Church, because you guys are so amazing at inviting people to come to church, one of his coworkers said, hey, you need to come check out my church. And he was hesitant, but he decided to walk through the doors of Radiant Church, and his life has never been the same since, because he came that first Sunday and gave his life to the Lord. And since then, every single week, he serves on our dream team, and in two weeks from today, he's gonna be baptized on the stage right here. We are changing lives together. It's because of your generosity that we're able to do all these different things that we do. And let's keep changing lives together here in Tampa Bay. And as the ushers come forward, we're here to pass the buckets. Let me pray over this time of generosity this morning. So Father, we are thankful for you. We're thankful for everything that you've given us. And Father, we set this time aside in our service to give you back just a portion of what you've given us. Father, would you bless this money that comes in that God, it makes your name great, not Radiant Church, but it makes your name great here in Tampa Bay around this country and around the world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.